Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive illumination by your Spirit, that the scales of the eyes and the minds of all are taken away. Thank you for utterance by your Spirit. These are not just words, these are life, and we are forever changed. Jesus alone is glorified, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Glory to God. So in our conversation on perfect peace, we are zooming in specifically on mental health and mental well-being. And God's words to us this morning is that we are free from stigma. We are free from stigma. We are free from stigma. The word of God tells us in the account of the prophet Isaiah that this is the song that these people who have perfect peace will sing. That we have a city. This city is a strong city. And one of the ways you know a strong city is that it has gates. It is surrounded by walls and it is impenetrable. What that means is that there will be an existence that is general and then there will be an existence that is specific to a people. Are we still in church this morning? So it means that your experience doesn't necessarily have to be what every other person experiences. You might be in the same country. You might be in the same province. You might be in the same city. You might be in the same organization. You might be in the same family. You might bear the same last name. It's saying but that there is an additional provision for the child of God. It's called a strong city. There is a place that it has gates. These gates are open only to a kind of people. It says only the righteous can enter. Only the faithful allowed in. It says it's a strong city. It has gates. Those gates are guarded. Hmm. And then he will keep in perfect peace. Once they can come into that place, in that place we can guarantee perfect peace. Outside that place, whatever you see, you take. But if you can get to this place, you can have a guarantee of perfect peace. It doesn't matter what is going, whether they are ballistic missiles. It doesn't matter whether they are nuclear weapons. It doesn't matter whatever it is. He's saying there is a place that the Lord, this, this security detail there is the eternal rock. It's never failed. It doesn't know how to fail. It will never fail. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. So let's look at this concept in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Genesis chapter 2, the last verse is verse 25. And we read the first verse of Genesis chapter 3, which is verse 1. It says, and they were both naked. This is talking about the man and his wife. It says, and they were not ashamed. Can you see that? This is a picture of a man and a woman that lived in a closed, safe city that had gates. In that place, there is room for, please, nakedness, they don't just think it's, they didn't wear clothes. It is speaking about complete, absolute openness, absolute vulnerability, absolute, this is who I am. And I know I can reckon with what that is. And I will feel absolutely no shame. Mm. So we live in a world where shame... Let, 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 let's just go to the next sentence after this. The next sentence after this, interestingly, is Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Mm. 
Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Immediately, he says, now the serpent. Now the serpent. It means that, can I work with our imaginations again this morning? Imagine this gated, strong city. That nothing is allowed to come in. It's a safe place. It's a place where those of us who are there experience perfect peace. Those of us who are there, we found life for God and we found a way to serve people. There's no self there. There's no sickness there. There's no disease there. There's no heaviness there. And there is no shame there. And immediately, the devil sees a safe space where there is no shame and where there is openness and complete vulnerability. The devil is like, ah. From where to where? Why is there no shame there? Now the serpent. I, I don't even need to read the, read the Okay, let's read the old verse. He said, the serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, as God said, I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding the temptation to go that route. But the concept is that whenever you find a safe space, the serpent will come knocking. Will come with questions. Will come with a way to infiltrate and to bring an external culture of shame. An external culture of stigma. So one of the things that the Lord wants us to hold on to this month and for the rest of our lives, that if you are in God's appointed place for you, that place is strong, that place is gated, and there is no shame there. Did somebody hear that? Means that if you are in a place, I just get into it. I just begin to step on some toes already. The intention is not to step on some toes. The intention is that God wants to bring deliverance to his people. If you are in a place, hear me. Or in a relationship where shame is used as a weapon, immediately you can tell that that is not God's strong city. If you are in a place or in a relationship where shame and stigma are used as weapons of, of, of control, weapons of motivation, weapons to get desired results, you, you can immediately tell that God is not there. God doesn't use shame in his family, in his strong city. We can be vulnerable and not ashamed. All right. All right. So what exactly is this stigma? What exactly is stigma? What exactly is stigma? Stigma is an indelible stain. It's a mark. It's not a physical mark, but it's stronger than something physical. You can't wash it with jeek. For those who know what jig is, all right, nothing can wash it away. But there's something called the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. The stigma is powerful. It's a strong mark. And really what stigma is, is shame. It's shame. It's a mark of shame that stays. It's a mark of shame that stays. I wrote in my note here that stigma is a folder that is saved in the past. And shows up on the home page every morning. It's a folder from your past, but every morning it just refreshes. The way his mercies are new every day, the enemy just clicks refresh on that shame folder. 
And though it's something I did, it's somewhere I went, it's a mistake I made, somehow the enemy just refreshes it constantly so that I will constantly remind myself. You're singing. I'm no longer. But look at that folder. And you just look at the folder and it breaks your heart. And you wonder, am I no longer a slave? Did God really say? Is this blood powerful enough really to wash me clean of my sins and to pull me out from the mistakes of my past. Some of us have partnered so much with the devil that we've accepted responsibility for what God has taken away. We've bought the devil's explanation. The reason why you can't do this is because you did that. And even though your pastor said God has forgiven you, it is true that God has forgiven you, but you are going to have to live with this shame for the rest of your life. And I've come to tell you, see, if there's one thing you remember this morning, it is that whenever you spot shame in a place, that is not God's strong city. In his strong city, there is no shame there. It is a place of perfect peace. It's a safe space. A place where you can come out and say, I used to be a smoker. I used to be an addict. When I was a young girl, I got involved in some funny relationships. I've done 10 abortions. But look at me now. I'm a picture of his grace. If it is where the devil is, the moment you've even finished giving that testimony, eh, 10 abortions, no wonder. And you become the talk of town for the next one year. Many people are seeking safe spaces, safe conversations. Where can I really pour my heart out to? Who can I really open up to and have a real true conversation with? Can I open up to my pastor? And then just trying to start a conversation with pastor. Next thing, you are the main topic of next week's sermon. No confidentiality. I am wondering, so who can I talk to? If I can't talk to the man of God, I can't even talk to the woman of God. Where am I safe? And you become the talk of town. It's choir meeting is your gist. Usher's meeting is your gist. Even at the car park, trying to... Have you heard what the Lord has done? So we've learned to come to God's house wearing masks. We've learned to come to God's house wearing overalls. We've learned to come to God's house having an appearance of perfection because we know that the one place that should have been the safe space has now become an open city. It is not strong. There's shame there. And that shame has been weaponized. To help us understand this relationship between stigma and shame and how it is subtle, please stay with me this morning. This is how the Spirit of the Lord taught me. It says, really, the real thing is shame. The real, the real issue here is shame. It says, just the way you have water. And you might have it in solid state, ice. You might have it in gaseous state, vapor. I hope that's not too much chemistry for us. Everybody can relate with that. Everybody can relate with that. Praise God. It says, the real issue there is shame. When it is in its liquid form, where it can find a place to flow to, the real problem there is shame. Mm. It says when it finds a solid form, where it can stay, 
it takes the new name stigma. When it enters into this gaseous substance, the one you cannot easily touch, it takes a new name called guilt. But at the end of the day, it is still shame. I play a lot of games with the Holy Spirit. One of the games we played when we were having this conversation was he gave me colors. He said in its liquid state, it's black. In its solid state, stigma is red. I was like, wrong color. Because I know something else that is red. Glory to God. And in its gaseous state, it's white. That was interesting to me. Because white is supposed to mean purity. But the Lord says guilt is just as dangerous as shame. Guilt is now you accepting. I have done wrong and I must pay for it. And that the payment Jesus made is not good enough. So I must pay for it by feeling bad. Guilt is what makes you fall today. And the one person in the world that can save you is the one person guilt convinces you you can't run to because you are too deplorable for his presence. You just fornicated yesterday. I want to get up at 5 a.m. You Don't you fear God? He says, it's true. It's true. 5 a.m. That PD with his glasses. The Lord might just show him. There is a sister on this platform this morning. The Lord, the, the color of the sheets were lilac. Ah, he said, hey, even up to color. The address of you, he said, you, you know you can't talk on Mixelar. What is what you, you call? The pity stop, stop, stop there. The devil uses guilt. He convinces you that God has forgiven you, but he wants you to constantly remember. And I'm telling you, that is the devil at work. God does not use shame. God does not use stigma. God does not use guilt. Wherever you find it is not God's safe place. So, for this shame and stigma to continue, it needs a couple of things, ingredients. One of them is ignorance. 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 I remember a couple of years in high school, we had um, this conference we had gone for the, the lady had won. You know when they do all these beauty pageants, they expect you to do something, um, what do they call it now? Like CSR related to your crownship or your, what, what can we call it now? To your reign, your tenure. Thank you. Wow. I, I feel helped on this stage. Glory to God. All right. And this, this lady had organized a symposium for high school students. I think I was in um, the equivalent of grade 11 or grade 12. And we had this table, we had different people seated um, on the table. We had some principals, follow the story. We had some guests and we had this lady who obviously wasn't at the level of all the papas and mamas on the stage. She was, by my estimation then, extremely beautiful. Well-dressed, well-made up. And then she picked up the mic and introduced herself, said her name. Oh, my name is, I can't remember the name, but there's no use saying it because it's not connected to the meat of the story. This is my name. I am X years old. This is what I do for a living. You know, said a lot of interesting facts about her. A lot of us were glued. Wow, so young, so eloquent. And she's sitting on this high stage. And she said, something you may not know about me is that I am diagnosed with HIV AIDS and I'm a person living with AIDS. Oh, boy. Everything she had told us, even those on the, on the stage with her, you know, some people are adjusting their seats. Because at that time, the stigma, the stigma, 
Some would rather, as they are taking the lab reports, they are going straight to suicide. The stigma, you have it? Nobody is even imagining how. Immediate, you have it? You a slut? There is nothing you telling me. You have it? You'll be, sl- no wonder. You have it? And then you go to church. Look at the live report. H. My sister. Where did you get it from? Ignorance. And then the lady said, do you know you can touch me and not get it? We didn't believe it. She told some of the students, he said, come. <laughs> he said, come, come. Come, me. She said, no, you really can. This is how, and then she took us straight. These are the ways it can be gotten. These are the ways you can support people living with it. It's just a disease. There's treatment for it. She deleted a whole chunk of ignorance. And our stigma towards AIDS reduced that day. My question is, what stigma still exists because you are living in ignorance that it has been taken away, that it has been forgiven, that he knows, he saw it, and he decided and chose, notwithstanding, to forgive you and to love you. Not to love you with a last warning, if you do, but to love you as though you never did it. And to give you a brand new slate. And he says that if there is one place in the world where you can feel loved and saved, it is in this strong city. We don't use shame here. Somebody say glory to God. For this stigma to last, not only does it need ignorance, it needs malicious intent. Malicious intent. And this is the psychology of blackmail. This is the psychology of blackmail. We've got dirt on you. That dirt, there is stigma. We have your tapes. We have your tapes. You know, sometimes I read the scripture and I'm wondering, what if we have internet in those days? What if we had the clip? They were stoning Stephen, stoning Stephen, stoning Stephen. And there was this guy just standing there. Saul of Tarsus. Say, kill him. Kill him. Kill them. I preached. And we have it on camera. Instagram. Saul underscore Tarsus. Bio. Hashtag kill them all. (laughs) Kill them all. And then this person now tells you that he has met Jesus. And sincerely, he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead. The only issue is that we still have the Instagram live. That's the, that's the only issue. I'm, I'm not doubting that you're now born again, but we, your OnlyFans account is still there. How do we reconcile that that was you? So the devil, as much as we use technology to advance the kingdom, the devil is using technology to advance shame. It's easier for you to forget it if there is no record of it. But we live in a generation where the internet never forgets. But guess what? There's the power of the blood that not just forgets, it blots. It washes clean. And you can keep the file you want to keep. 
You can keep the videos you want to keep. You can keep the pictures you want to pick. Come on, you can't shame the shameless. I have no shame anymore. That looks like me, but that's not who I am. They're saying it is you, PD. We have forensic evidence. I'm saying I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Don't tell me it's on the internet. Good luck with you on your internet. Was it not a few weeks ago that the thing went down? So it can go down again. Glory to God. Malicious intent. People will remind you of the dirt they have on you. People who you thought what they did was they did good to you. Not knowing that what they did was they sold a bait to hook your neck. So that the day they call you and you say, oh, I'm sorry. You are sorry? Do you remember when? I am wondering, can I, can I just pay you back? How long will I have to remember when? I thought this was God using you. I thought this was you being there for me. I thought this was you being, being available for me in a strong city that has gates. I didn't know that you had shame in your back pocket. That I, I can't even cough. You said, do you remember when? I can't even sneeze. Do you remember when? Even my oxygen, if you had a way, you will, you will, you will patent it. And say, you breathe only when I say so. On top of what? Please pardon my French. If you don't know what on top of what means. All right. Glory to God. Malicious intent. It needs the, 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 this, 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 this concept of shame and stigma, it sits on three seats. Ignorance. Malicious intent. I think the strongest of the seats it sits on is abuse. Abuse. People who are abusers love shame. They love to use shame. Love to use shame. You know, back in the days, since we are doing a, a, a kind of time comparison of back in the days versus now, one of the things that is not very easy to execute, even though it is still very systemic, even though it is still um, a lot more subtle in our processes, it is overt, direct demeaning of a fellow human, especially in a lawful society. Are we still together? So for abuse to continue to take place, please listen to me. This is very, this is very important. For abuse to continue to take place, there must be something called a power imbalance. Wherever a power imbalance exists, there is an opportunity for an abuse to take place there. Genetically speaking, the man is, on the average, stronger than the woman. There is a power imbalance there. So therefore, you find weak men resorting to abusing their wives physically because they don't know how else to communicate their value. And they believe that what it means to be macho is for me to put you in your place and to use abuse. There is a power imbalance there. Parents, we occupy a place that is very sensitive. You might not realize it, but there is a power imbalance between you and those kids. Sometimes you are just having a bad day. It is not their fault. And you, because you can't take it out on the real cause of the bad day, you go to the place where you can take it out on everybody. And you give it to them. But really, where the Spirit of God wants to shine light on today 
is abuse in the church. We don't talk about it. We act and live like it doesn't exist. But if there is a place that there is a main power imbalance, even in lawful civilized societies, it is in the church. And you find people using shame. And we have nice names for it. We call it spiritual discipline. You fell from grace. You failed God. And we are going to make you an example for the young ones, the younger ones. Because the old ones are righteous and sanctimonious. The old ones don't sin. They, in fact, they already have one leg in heaven. It's the young ones that are not sure what their eternal destination is. And the only one place that all the broken people should be able to come to is the one place they can't come to because they know that they will be abused. Many today, hear me, many today are in places that they know, number one, God is not here. Number two, they know under normal circumstances, I should have left. The reason I am here is because I know that if I say I want to leave, and he said, I'm leaving. If I say I want to leave the, the, the way the shame will come after me, let me just manage here. Let me just stay here and endure the pain. And I've come to announce to you something is breaking on your inside and that is not God's house. Something is breaking on your inside by you staying in the place of abuse. If the name on it outside is church and what goes on inside is abuse, that is not the church of Jesus Christ. You are not a tree. I release you by the authority of you. Get out. That was not casting out a demon. <laughs> this thing is funny, but it's true. Someone told me and it broke my heart. He said, this high blood pressure. I am sure it is because of the church I was going to. I said, what do you mean? He said, when you are driving to church, your heart is beating. As the service is coming, you know, we just take things for granted. Some of you just come in, oh, hi, Pity. You know, we just laugh. You know, someone just come in, you, know, you just come in, I just laughing. This, this is how it is supposed to be. For some, it's tipping toes, hot, hot fire. The arrow can touch anybody. As someone is going on now, you know the way I just relax, enjoying God's word. You are sitting up. Could it be me? Is it me today? Am I the example? Am I the tool of shame today? Am I the standard? Am I today's standard? Am I today's example? Am I tomorrow's emblem? And that's how cults behave. When you leave the cult, everybody ostracizes you. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. So we have a gated city. We have a strong city, a safe, a safe space. A place that I can come in and I can go in and say, Pastor, I need to see you. I made a mistake. I fell. I did something I shouldn't have done. I couldn't go anywhere else. I've, I've been battling with this guilt. I can't even read my Bible. I can't even pray. But I know I can come to you. And the first question is not, a old you, deacon, brother, head of the, as, as you're even saying the thing, <laughs> let me pick the phone. PK. Um, we're on rooster for, for prayer next week. Sister Jane? I know we don't have any Sister Jane in this church. Praise God. <laughs> I'll restart for prayer. Can you first of all, first of all, remove her? I said, PD, what happened? He said, don't worry, we'll discuss it. First, remove her. 
Remove her first. Bessie, someone is still trying to open up to you? I had a true life story once of a lady whose parents discovered that she was having a, a relationship with one flimsy guy. The guy got her pregnant and she had gone for an abortion. And she had complications. The only reason why they found out was because she had complications. And this was someone that needed help. By all means, needed help. And the parents said, you have disgraced us. You have brought shame to this family. That's how abusers speak. They abuse by making you take responsibility for their basis to abuse you. Does that make any sense? You have brought shame to this home. Please go pack all of your things. She couldn't believe it. I thought you said you love me. I thought you said, pack all of your things and go. Get out of this house. She didn't believe it. They bundled all her things. Packed out. Daddy and mommy were in agreement. Said, this is shame. This is shame. I I'm sure that shame was transferred shame. Maybe they were deacons in church. And they know that when we get to church and they hear it is our own daughter. Our own child. Our own son. No, 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 no. We would rather lose you than take that shame. So get out. And the girl went out. And she scanned in the old world. Where is the one safe place I can go? And she remembered that she had an aunt. She went to the auntie's house. Brought all the bags. Everything. As the auntie opened the door. Opened the door. Picked all her bags. Gave her a big hug. And they cried for like 30 minutes. No questions asked. No what happened. No why. No what were you thinking. The girl thought it was just auntie being nice. The morning after. How are you? Have you had breakfast? Should I make you coffee? She was stunned. Auntie, won't you ask me what happened? She said, not yet. You are not in the, you are not in the frame of mind to have a conversation yet. And many times, church people, we don't understand this. You, you see a wound bleeding. And in, while it is bleeding, you're asking questions. Who, caught, who made the cut? Were you praying with us at 5 a.m.? There was a word of knowledge at the last letter about this same condition, and you were not there. And the devil is like, oh, wow, I found a partner in church. I found a partner on the pulpit, abusing God's children. Can we go, back? Can we go to God's word? Genesis, John, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 17. John chapter 3, verse 17. I know everybody in the world, Christian, non-Christian, you know John 3, 16, right? So let's read John 3, 17. The one I'm sure you don't know. <laughs> For God sent not his son into the world to bring shame to the world. God? So you mean all these people have been weaponizing shame? They are not representing God? But that the world through him might be saved. God's commitment is reconciliation. God's commitment is reconciliation. God's commitment is you fail, come back to your father. Don't allow guilt to convince you that your father doesn't want to see you. The only person that has the capacity to forgive you and to deliver you is the same one that guilt convinces you to run away from. Send not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. It says, he that believes on him is not condemned. Can you see the safe city Isaiah was speaking about in Isaiah 26? 
It says, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Somebody say glory to God. So we have to be careful with power imbalances. Power imbalances. We'll, we'll say something about that shortly. John chapter 8 verse 1 to 4. John chapter 8 verse 1 to 4. Jesus went onto the Mount of Olives. Verse 2. And somebody say early in the morning. Can you see that early in the morning? Abusers are very jobless people. Early in the morning, he came into the temple. I'm sure he came for times of refreshing. And music was just going. Let's just begin to magnify and exalt the name of the Lord. The Lord has been good to us in KICC. The Lord has shown us great mercy, increase on every side, testimonies. The Lord has preserved us. We're in a month of grace upon grace. And the music is just playing. Everybody worshiping. Some going to brush their teeth. Some going to wash their faces. Some looking for their earphones. And the music is just playing early in the morning. And all the people came unto him. So one person joined. Two people joined. Some of us have clicked the like button. Somebody puts an emoji in the chat. People are coming in. And it's down and he was teaching them verse 3 and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery and when they had set her in the midst they said unto him master this woman was taken in adultery in the very act early in the morning early in the morning I woke up took a bath went to go and look where is the adultery going on I left, I, 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 I used my gas, started my car. You know the funny thing? They didn't even have cars. These guys walked distances, caught the woman, climbed the mountain. It says Jesus took, he, he was on the mountain teaching them. And the only conversation I was interested in, in the presence of the creator of the entire universe, was that we caught somebody. We caught somebody. The person she was doing the act with, we don't know where he is. He probably was part of the crowd. <laughs> if he was there, he said, yes. We caught her. In the very act. They brought her to the wrong person. They brought her to the lover of her soul. They brought her to the one who's made of love. The one who doesn't use shame. The one who doesn't reckon with guilt. The one who forgives absolutely. David knew this. He said, I would rather fall into God's hand than to hands of men. Beware of people whose applauses. They are waiting for your next glitch. Your next, your next sleep. You know, it just dawned on me sometimes when I'm looking on the internet and I see pastors, men and women of God being castigated. And I hear the Spirit of God say, one day it will be you. One day it will be you. People who don't know you, who don't know your sacrifice, who don't know your calling, just because they have a device and internet, believe they have the credibility to call you names. Until you can enter into this gated city where their words have no more power. They can say, your head is too unblung. Your messages are too weak. You don't even talk about Jesus or your own is too much. Why are you people fasting monthly? Why are you praying daily? You'll be shocked the number of people just waiting for a sleep. Refreshing your page. Watching the sermons not to be blessed. They are just waiting for that 60 seconds that they can use mischievously. 
Coming to check, did you talk about them? And I'm wondering, the word of God is too, is too sweet, too loaded for us to leave talking about God's word, to start talking about people. Hey, I'm sorry to announce to you, you ain't that important. We'll talk about God's word here. We don't use shame. We don't use shame here. Somebody say glory to God. The one person that had the capacity for, to forgive her was the one they brought her to. And they said, Jesus, Moses told us in his law. Hmm. So Jesus said, the one who has been perfect all their lives, the one who has never committed any sin, you thou righteous scribes and Pharisees who have not made any mistake in your entire life, those of you who are the perfect upbringing, those of you who have never coughed, you've never sneezed, you don't even use the washroom, your life is that perfect. Liars and deceivers everywhere. But the good news is that you and I don't have to fall victim to them. We're in a safe city. This city has gates. Only the righteous can go in. And it will keep us in perfect peace. Somebody say glory to God. A quick note on hypocrisy and how it forces or empowers this shame. Hypocrisy. 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 Genesis chapter 38. Hypocrisy. Genesis chapter 38. Looking at our time. Genesis chapter 38 verse 24. You probably know this story. It says, and it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah. So let me give you the background to this story in case we have anyone in the room or anyone watching online who is not familiar with what is going on here. The Bible tells us about this man named Judah who had a son and the son had a wife. And in the course of their relationship, the wife didn't have a child for this son. And the son went on to be in glory. And according to the law, the next brother was supposed to assume the responsibility to continue that lineage. That was their custom. That was their tradition. The first child came. The first husband. The second husband. No show. And then Judah came and said to the lady, it says, you can see that the next in line is a young boy. What a tradition. When the boy is old enough, when he's ready to assume his inherited load, baggage, that he knows nothing about. I pray for you, any unnecessary baggage you are carrying, that the burden lifter will take it off. In the mighty name of Jesus. This young boy, this, the future had been cut out for him. He didn't know who Tama was. He doesn't even know if I can like her. If ideally Tama is auntie, auntie, he'll say, hey, hey, we're going somewhere now. And he face, yeah, stand up, don't, don't, don't greet. You're now the husband. Yeah. Mm. so the lady packed her bag she thought she was done with life but God was not done with her she went back widow number one widow number two the world called her failure the world called her dejected the world called her useless but there was someone who still said Tama, that womb you carry will carry destiny and I'm sure she didn't understand it me? God, where were you? Where was your love all the while? 
So let's go to verse 24 again, now that we know the story. So it came to pass about three months after that it was told, oh, we are on verse 24, we have not reached the story yet. So one day, Judah went to town. Hey, hello, hello, are we still in church? Judah went to town. It was out of town. And the great righteous Judah, the great righteous Judah, decided that he, was, he needed to go have a fling in town. So he went to the red light district. Is that what they call those places? That was a trick question. <laughs> Some people said, yeah. You, after the service, you will explain to me how you know what it is called. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I, I know someone is in the aviation airline business, so you know about Amsterdam and the red light districts. Okay, okay. Forgiving. Glory to God. So he went to town and he was looking for a lady. Tamar had heard. And so she disguised herself. And Judah came in unto her. She was veiled. And said, how much, how much is your cost? And she gave the bill. And Judah said, well, I was traveling light. I can sign you a check later. Do you have PayPal? Do you use Cash App? Tamar said, all these things you're saying, I don't understand. I want something now. Smart girl. Now. And Judah looked around. Well, I have a signet ring. I have a staff. I can give you, can someone see the metaphor there? When you take your precious self to the altar of immorality, you are giving away your authority. You are giving away your strength. And then he gave it to her. Smart girl. He said, grandpa, righteous grandpa, come in unto me. They did the mercy act. Both guilty. Judah just as guilty as Tamar. So three months afterwards, after the dawn was did, that was French for those of you who don't speak. Good French. That was good French. Verse 24. Can you please put it on our screen again? It says, when it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. And also, behold, she is with child by order. Can you see the words carefully chosen by the reporters? And Judah said, bring her forth. Bring her here. And what was his immediate verdict? I'm not going to hear you out. I'm not going to hear your story. I'm not going to say I cheated you. I'm not going to say I owed you a debt. I'm not even going to say you were once a part of this family. We won't give you the benefit of that doubt just to hear you out. Immediately, the righteous Judah, the perfect one, said, let her be burnt. He says, but King James is a nice version. 25, he says, but when she was brought forth, if you read it in modern translations, rendering the Hebrew a bit more accurately, it says as they were taking her to be killed. She was already being taken to the place where our lords are embarrassed, shamed, and died not just a shameful death. Everybody connected to her. Our parents, we know, your daughter is the one that was stoned for wardom. So she said, hold up, hold up, hold up. Please send this to my father-in-law and let him know that by the man who these are, am I with child? And she said, discern, I pray thee, whose are these? The signets. 
the bracelets and the staff. Verse 26. And the eye up holier than thou righteous hypocrites acknowledged and said, the harlot is more righteous. The one I said they should kill. If you say she should have been burnt and she's more righteous, what should you say to yourself? Because I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. If this story had ended there, we would have said this is a great story of reconciliation. She would later give birth to twins, release one of the grand patrons, through whom the great King David would come, through whom Jesus would come. And this is God literally saying, hey, there is a lot blood in my genes. Because my blood will be shed for our lots. There's murderer's blood in my genes because my blood will be shed for murderers. When you see someone reminding you of your allotry, that is not me. I don't come to remind you of allotry. I don't come to remind you of your murdering past. I come to remind you of a new future that I have created for you. That you might have been condemned to wardom, but you can carry breakthrough in your womb. Perez there. You can carry breakthrough in your womb. You can write me off. You can keep the receipts. You can have proof of my misbehavior. But that is who I was. That is not who I am. Power imbalance. I want to move on from power imbalance, but I can't leave. It's playing out so much in the church. And the Lord will have mercy on us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Luke chapter 22, verse 19. I really should just read 24, 25, but let me read from verse 19. You know, the word of God is complete. It gives us full picture. It, give us, it gives us full context. It says, and he took bread. Can you see what is going, here, going on here? This is Jesus breaking bread with his disciples at a time that was very, 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 very significant for Jesus. Are you still with me? Are you still in church this morning? He says, and he broke the bread he gave unto them, saying, this is my body given for you. Doesn't this sound like holy communion? Hello? And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, likewise also the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup. Let me read that again. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Verse 21, but behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. I can still eat with him. I don't use shame to the extent that I won't even call him out outright. And they began to inquire among themselves. Now, can you see the, 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 the setting is a holy, looking for the word. It's a very... Very humbling atmosphere. The master is about to be taken away. The master just told us that someone is going to betray him. And the master is so gracious enough to still eat with all of us. And they began to inquire among themselves, which of them is it that should do this thing? Verse 24. And there was also a strife among them which of them should be accounted the greatest? 
I am not understanding. What are we talking about? What are you talking about? Someone is going to betray me. From so, is it you? Is it me? I'm sure somebody said it can't be me. Another person said it can't be me. How can it be me? Me that when Jesus is gone, I'm going to be the new master. They were from sorting out who, who it is. It was now who is going to be. Say so you, new master. You can't be the new master. It's not you. Remember when we were walking on the water? Did you walk on water? I say, ah, it's true, it's true. When master said, come, I didn't come. I'm going to be the new master. He said, but you walked for only a few minutes. The rest said, yes, for just a few seconds. All of us are in the same WhatsApp group. So it is me. It is me. They were content. Jesus did not get it. He said, what? <laughs> Look at these guys. I'm, I'm, I'm literally quarter to go. And your topic is who will be the greatest? Really? Really? So in verse 25, he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. Verse 26, but you shall not be so. My house will not be a place where spiritual authority means spiritual lordship. But in my house, spiritual authority will mean spiritual service. It will mean spiritual servanthood. My apostles will be the ones who can clean the toilets. I will not say I'm the great prophet. You didn't introduce me well. Oh, we have in, in our midst a great man of God. A pastor's crisis in Canada. Please can we welcome Brother Dial as he comes to the stage. First sit down. Joking, brother, brother. He will now send the notes. It's not a brother. It's not a brother. He's a reverend. He's a reverend. Oh, oh, brethren, um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, church, praise the Lord. Our guest speaker today is not just the brother. He's an anointed minister of the gospel. Please join me as we re welcome Reverend. Dio to the pulpit. Reverend, sit down. Sends a note, sends a note. He's also a doctor. He's also a doctor. <laughs> oh, glory to God. We are so, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, you guys are here now with me. Please welcome Dr. Dio. Then the protocol comes. Can you? Can I write it how you should say it? Let's end this drama. It's not looking good. I want to write it how you should say it. Reverend, doctor, apostle, apostle. He's an apostle to the nations. Apostle, apostle. Don't miss that out. If you miss it out, very important. Apostle. And he's also a prophet. If you doubt it, go and watch Let God Arise. There's evidence, okay? He's also a prophet. Say, okay. Brethren, give it up for Reverend, Doctor, Apostle, Prophet. Then the man of God will now stand. <laughs> 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 
if you doubt that this is going on in God's house, the scripture we just read was going on on Jesus' table. On his table. They had just broken bread. They just did communion together. And the argument was that, who is the greatest? You know, that was the day in the courts of heaven. Everyone agreed, nobody in this room will be the greatest apostle. Let's go pick somebody who is killing Christians. That was when Saul was ordained. Was still busy killing, but was ordained. Those of you who were there when we were multiplying bread and fish, this argument, you continue to argue it. Child of God, can you just settle this in your mind? God doesn't use shame. It doesn't use shame. It doesn't use guilt. It doesn't use stigma. I fell yesterday. I'm getting up today. I messed up yesterday. I'm getting up today. Only one person wins when I stay in my dirt. That's the devil. So I'm getting up today. We are not, we are not justifying or condoning sin. Don't, don't get it twisted. But I'm saying that when this righteous man falls, his daddy says, get up my son. That when this prodigal son who has gone and spent all returns home, the father says, I'm waiting for you. Not that I have, I have my whip. <laughs> you are coming back. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus says, not so among my children. We don't lord it over. We don't abuse God's children and call it spiritual leadership. We don't embarrass them. We don't break confidentiality and say the Spirit of God permitted me to use it as an example. We don't do that here. In my house, it is a safe space. It is a gated city. The righteous can come in and they can feel safe here. You can be naked here and not be ashamed. You can be vulnerable here and not be ashamed. You can call yourself pastors and say, I fell. I did something stupid. I made a foolish decision. But I know you won't judge me. And even if you judge me, I'm ready for the shame. I deserve the shame. I deserve the guilt. And they can tell you, I'm not going to judge you. God has already judged the sin. But I'm glad that you've seen your wrong and you're ready to come home. You're ready to come home. You're ready to come home. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Guilt. Guilt is not a tool in God's hands. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 9 to 10, as we begin to bring the service to a close. Have you been blessed so far this morning? 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9. It says, now I rejoice. This is Paul speaking. This is the Paul, the Paul, the Paul that Jesus knew. This one, we can make him the greatest. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. The guilt of the world worketh death. The conscience of the believer is like a compass. It redirects you back to the Father, to the place of love. The compass of guilt and condemnation once you wallowing in the mud, once you hiding, once you pretending, once you accumulating skeletons in the cupboard. And Jesus is saying, hey, we need furniture. Say, Jesus, you can't open that cupboard. Say, what's there? Say, Jesus, you won't believe what's there. And he opens it. He says, bones. He says, is this what you're scared to show me? Have you forgotten in my word? 
that I can prophesy to bones and they can come alive again. I can give you a new chapter. I can write a new story with your life. So what do we do? What do we do? Three things that we must do if we are going to be free from stigma. Three things that we must do. I will bring the service to a close. Number one, break free from the past by changing your tags. Break free from the past by changing your tags. I am not what I did. I am not my mistake. I am not a ex-alot. I am not an ex-murderer. I am not an ex-killer. I am not an ex-murderer. I am not an ex-drug addict. I am not an ex-liar. I am not an ex-adulterer. I am not an ex-fornicator. I am who God says I am. Those are things I did, but there is a city. The gates are open to the righteous. I can come in there. In that place, it considers me righteous. It considers me clean. Have you noticed that in the New Testament, if the only Bible we had was the New Testament, the way God will gas and talk about some people, if not that we see who they really were in the Old Covenant, we say, God, David, the great psalmist of Israel, who served his generation, is that all you will tell us about David? Yes. Abraham, the great father of faith, who hoped above any hope, he, he didn't remind us subtly, although he did some, <clears throat> the great father of faith. Look unto your father, Abraham. Look unto your mother, Sarah. Your mother, Sarah. Your mother, Sarah. Say, God, you don't know Sarah. God said, Shh. I know Sarah. I call her blessed. I know Dio. I call him blessed. You can say your name. I am blessed. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I am loved. I am loved. I am genuinely loved. You break away from the past by changing your tags. I am what God says I am. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 4 and verse 5. Isaiah chapter 54. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. This is a prophetic word to you, KICC. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Neither shall you be confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame. For you shall forget the shame of your youth. And you shall not remember the reproach of your widowed. That's a symbol of helplessness anymore. It says in verse 5, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the only one of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. Glory to God. Number two, free yourself from toxic people and toxic places. Free yourself from toxic people and toxic places. Hear me, child of God, if you are in a place where abuse is weaponized. You've seen how they've embarrassed people that took certain steps. And you know that the day I also take this step, I will be the new example of shame. The Lord has come, sent me to announce to you, leave, leave, leave fast. It is breaking you. I will not accomplish destiny with a broken person. God needs you whole. God needs you full. The destiny you carry, we need you complete. We don't need you broken. God needs you. Your world needs you all. Your world needs you all. Can you hear me? Don't say I can be damaged in the morning and fix up in the evening. 
I can go and get abused in the morning and I'll go listen to PD in the evening. I'll go listen to God's word in the evening. I'll go, I'll go feel digitally loved online and physically abused in the morning. Leave. Leave toxic places. Leave toxic relationships. If it's a marriage, hey, God hates divorce. God hates divorce. Stay here as I, hey, seek help. Seek counseling. Talking about stigma, we don't even say see a therapist again. We say see a counselor. Because therapy has been stigmatized. Seek help. Talk to someone. Talk to someone. Talk to your pastors. Talk to your counselors. Can I look in this way? Talk to your therapist if you need to. Especially if they have the spirit of God. They can help you, spirit, soul, and body. Glory to God. Free yourself from toxic. Social media is a toxic environment. Sometimes, take a break. Was our pastor this morning at the uh, 5 a.m. service that was telling us. Sometimes, take a break. Take a three-day break. Take a one-day break. You won't die. You won't die. The first time you try it, let me tell you what will happen. You pick up the phone. You'll have opened it. you now remember that. How did my finger even know where it is? You'll have, I'm speaking from experience. No, no. Instagram, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. today. And your phone will just smile. See, you're joking. As you pick the phone, you're already on Instagram before you remember that you say you'll be there. That's how addictions work. Can we be sincere? A lot of us are addicted to social media. And we need deliverance. Take a break. Do something meaningful. Connect with real humans. There are people that love you. You are reading opinions of strangers. Many of them are demon-possessed. Giving hot takes. The small Bible that you are still meditating upon. Just one post can plant enough fear to pull you off course. Free yourself from toxic people and toxic places. Number three. Okay, let's read Isaiah chapter 50, verse 5 to 9. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 5 to 9. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. He says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked up the air. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Verse 7. It says, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be ashamed. I said, I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifies me. I know you don't rate me. I know you think I'm worse than dirt. I know you believe you are holier than me. Congratulations on your holiness. But he is near that justifies me. He calls me righteous. He calls me loved. He calls me worthy of his love. Who will contend with me? He says, let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? You can't shame the shameless. He has taken away my shame. Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. Number one, break free from the past by changing your tags. Number two, free yourself from toxic people and toxic places. Number three, God has forgiven you. Now it is time to forgive yourself. Now it is time to forgive yourself. You've been hard on yourself for too long. It is time to 
forgive yourself. I should have done better. I knew better. I didn't tell you how that story ended of the lady who found solace in her aunt. Her aunt refused to talk about it until one week after. The lady was fine. She was in a good place. I said, Auntie, I messed up. Auntie said, Yes. We will not talk about it again from this moment. Let's begin to plan how we can rebuild. Don't just be the convenient person who points fingers and throws stones when everybody is judging someone. Take a pause. Say we have a strong city. We have a strong city. Open the gates. Let the righteous come in. Let the faithful come in. And the person you are telling, come in here, you're safe. Is it me, righteous? Can you see the dirt? I've not even, re- I've literally not changed the clothes yet. So come in. He can change you here. He can make you brand new here. Psalms 103, verse 10 to 12. Psalms 103. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how we love. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. The, the, the person writing this knows what he is talking about. This is the story of a man greatly forgiving. From watching pornography, to using and abusing power to commit adultery, to sending a man to his early grave and con- committing lawyers in the house. Is that manslaughter or murder? Or what's the right legal term? He shot killed somebody, right? That's the legal term. Somebody died. Premeditated murder. Thank you. Murder, right? Premeditated. Planned. Skipped. He's telling you and I, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed your transgressions from you. Will you believe that? Will you believe that? Rise up on your feet this morning and say, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you because you don't use shame. I can feel safe in your presence. I can feel at home in your presence. one tone down. I can feel safe in your presence. I can feel safe in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, I am forgiven. I don't know about you. Some weights have just been lifted. Some weights have just... I know it's it's tough out there. It's... It's it's tough out there. It's dangerous out there. It's the wild, wild, wild west out there. But there is a city. There is a strong place. There is a strong place. There is a place that I love to dwell. It's the presence of my maker where the hosts of heaven gathers to worship him. The one who redeems our soul from sin. The one who redeemed us. The one who pulled us out from transgressions. I know a place. 
that's full of grace. It's the presence of my maker. He doesn't abuse us there. The, the, see, the all-powerful, the most powerful, he doesn't use power to abuse. He uses his power to forgive. He uses his power to pull back. For there is a place that I love to go. I can run to my father. I have messed up. It's the presence of my maker. I have sinned against you. Father, against you and you and you alone. But I've come to worship you. Bowing down before you. Bowing down before you. I know a place that I love to dwell. It is the presence of my father, my father, daddy. A place I can call home. A place I can feel safe. He just wants me to say thank you for your blood. Your blood that has washed me clean. That has taken away my shame. That has deleted those tags. It doesn't call me murderer. It doesn't call me thief. It doesn't call me rapist. It doesn't call me liar. It doesn't call me adulterer. It doesn't call me hypocrite. It calls me loved. It calls me forgiven. It calls me his own. He's changed my name. He's giving me a brand new tomorrow. He's saying I'm still going ahead of the plan. And I'm saying, but I've messed up. He's saying, no, you can't mess up my plan. All you need to do is to accept my love. All you need is to accept my love. It's the presence to worship you. Bowing down before you. I want to send an invitation to someone under the sound of my voice. Maybe you are currently battling with shame or with guilt. Guilt, many times, is for believers or those who your conscience still picks signals. Say, you're still doing that. You mean you're still struggling with that? Guilt plays in that place. But for many, it's just condemnation. I'm not the type God is looking for. Look at my tattoos. It, it's the tattoo of Satan himself. And I can't peel it off. Can I worship him like this? Can I worship him like this? I've been living with someone who is not my husband. Someone who is not my wife. We've been committing sin. Pastor, sin, sin. Real sin. I don't feel comfortable coming to his presence. And I'm telling you, the only place you actually need to be where you can find love and restoration is in his presence. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Very quickly, be mindful of my time right now. Please stay with me, Lord Jesus. Thank you for taking away my sins. Thank you for taking away the shame. Ah, thank you for taking away the guilt. Thank you for dying for my sins. This moment, I receive your love. I receive your life. The old me is gone. A new me is here. Thank you. If you just said that simple prayer, he has forgiven you. You are forgiven. You might not feel like it. In fact, tomorrow morning, you might still wake up and take another stick of cigarette. If you can trust in his grace, he can make you brand new. He can make you brand new. Please send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. 
We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. As you bring the service to a close, I want to pray for someone. The enemy has weaponized shame against you. I am saying, Pity, thank you for this message. But seriously, I am in a place right now that I am going through this live and direct. There is a tag that I carry and I cannot remove it. You are saying, leave that toxic place as if I can just walk away. And I'm saying, I can't just walk away. Thank God that we will not do it by our power and we will not do it by our strength, but it will be by the Spirit. Lord, how are there many that trouble, that trouble me? Many are there that say that there is no help for us in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You are my glory. You are my glory. And you are the lifter up of my head. By the authority in the name of Jesus, I speak over the lives of God's children, everyone under the sound of my voice, in the room and watching online. Every stronghold of shame that has been used by the enemy to afflict you, we pull it down in the name of Jesus. And I come to announce to you that the lifter up of your head is here. And by the Spirit, I pull you out of every mud. I pull you out of every miry clay. Not just to a place of rehabilitation, but to a place of glory. But to a place of glory. It says, but thou, O Lord, at my glory, you are the lifter up of my head. Everyone whose head has been bowed in shame. Everyone who is in a place where you can't even open up where you can't even speak out by the authority in the name of Jesus we command those heads to be lifted we command those destinies to be lifted we command those dreams to come alive again in the name of Jesus Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3 does bring the strings up a bit thank you Jesus thank you precious Holy Spirit wow 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 it says I can take those ashes and I can give you beauty I can take those ashes and I can give you beauty I can take away the shame and I can give you double honor. I can take away the shame and I can give you double honor. Father, in the name that is above every other name, in the name that is above every other name, by the authority that sealed redemption for us, I come and speak over the lives of your children that the ashes that have characterized our lives and our experiences, that have defined us for so long, we hand it over to you on the altar of surrender and we receive your beauty come on i see the lord decorating someone's life i see the lord i see him rewriting your story i see beauty i see beauty i see beauty and it will be your portion in the mighty name of jesus i withdraw shame from your life i take away shame from that family and in exchange receive double honor in exchange receive double honor in exchange receive double honor come on i need somebody to receive this i said in exchange receive double honor in the name of jesus whatever was planned to pull your heads down whatever was planned to cause you sorrow whatever was planned to bring you tears we nullify and cancel and we decree in its place there will be promotions in its place there will be promotions in its place there will be honor in its place there will be glory in the name of Jesus, come on, shout on the top of your voice. Thank you for lifting me. Thank you for lifting me. Come on, say it loud. Thank you for lifting me. Thank you, Father. Glory be unto your name. We give you all the praise. We seal this miracle with the blood. Irreversible. Your children will return testifying. 
For in Jesus' name we are prayed. Come on, if you can, jam those hands. Jam those hands together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you.